You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. All of us that are in Christ, we triumph in Christ Jesus. And I am glad about that. And I know you're happy about that. Please tag a friend and let them know that we're alive. You can also get the audio of this on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, at the end of the lesson. I'm going to answer any questions. I'll communicate any comments that you have and your comments and your questions are valuable to us. And please share it. If it's a blessing to you, if the lesson is a blessing to you, please share uh, what you've learned and what you have received. Now, we're talking uh, from the subject, no pressure, you can handle it. No pressure. And this is somewhat of a a confession that I think would be helpful for you to make. No pressure, I can handle it. This is our fifth lesson of a six-lesson series. This is the fifth lesson. Now, our theme is overcoming the pressures of life. All of us have pressures. All of us experience pressure in life, but we're talking about overcoming the pressures of a life. And I have three goals in this six-part series. Number one, we want to control the stress in our lives. And I taught two weeks on the pressure-free life, controlling the stress. And then secondly, we want to accept peace. Jesus said that he left us peace. We want to accept peace. And for two lessons, I talked about an anxiety-free life. Well, we have two lessons to go, and we want to talk about choosing rest. This is our fifth lesson, part one of choosing rest. And I'm going to give this uh, lesson the subtopic, the struggle-free life. We talked about the pressure-free life, two weeks. We talked about the anxiety-free life, two weeks. And we are talking now about the struggle free life. Now, listen carefully. I did not say problem-free life. I did not say challenge-free life. The Bible says that in this world, we're going to have tribulation. We're going to experience challenges. We're going to experience problems. So I'm not talking about Uh, a problem-free life, a life where you have no problems, you have no challenges, no temptations, no tests, no responsibilities, just you're in heaven. And we all know that we're not in heaven. But I want to talk about a struggle-free, even though we have challenges, even though we have problems, even though we have temptations and and tests, I believe, based off Scripture, and we're going to spend this first part Just setting the table so you can believe that it's a biblical concept to have a struggle-free life. Now, I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 in the New Living Translation. It says, so there is a special rest still waiting 
for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 in the New Living Translation. Now, let's, let's establish from the word that a struggle-free life, a struggle, that struggle, pardon me, let's establish that struggle is not a part of God's plan for your life. Struggle is not a part of God's plan for the believer's life. So let's look at the word struggle. Let's define it for just a moment. The word struggle means to try extremely hard to achieve or to do something, to, to try extremely hard to achieve or do something. The word struggle means to exhaust oneself exhaust oneself in an attempt. I'm just exhausted. I'm, I'm struggling. Have you ever said that? Man, I'm just struggling with this situation. In other words, you've exhausted yourself in attempting to do whatever you're doing. But struggle was not and is not God's plan for the Christian. Let's, let's establish something else. Struggle is a part of the curse, the Bible says. Struggle is a part of the curse. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, the B part, the latter part of the verse, Genesis 3, uh, 17, and I want to look at it in the King James Version and then in the New Living Translation. After Adam fell, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and the fall took place. Here's what the scripture says. God said, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. In sorrow shall you eat of it. In sorrow, which implies that before the fall, before the curse, the man didn't eat from the earth through sorrow. Now, let's look at that in the New Living Translation, Gen Genesis 3, 17, in the New Living Translation. Here's what God said to Adam after his disobedience. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life, all your life, Adam, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Now notice God said that the ground is cursed because of you, because of man's disobedience. God said to Adam, all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. That tells me that God never intended for man to struggle in his life, to struggle to gain an advantage, to struggle to win in life. As I've studied the, the scriptures, if I've studied the scriptures, I've discovered that struggle is often connected to ignorance and disobedience. 
Now, I'm not talking about the challenge of it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about exhausting yourself. I'm talking about, I mean, you just at your wit's end trying to make this work, trying to make this happen. You're working, and then you're just scratching out a living. It's not producing everything you, you want it to produce. Life is not productive. That's what I'm talking about. And I believe often it is the result of ignorance and disobedience. Now, let's talk about ignorance for a moment. Proverbs 13, verse 15. Proverbs 13, verse 15 in the King James Version says, Good understanding gives favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Good understanding gives favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Now, in that verse, there are two things that struggle is connected to. It's connected to first, ignorance. Good understanding gives favor. Oftentimes, we struggle because we don't understand what we're doing. I struggled in my marriage for years. I mean, just a lot of years. I struggled in my marriage because I did not know what I was doing. I was ignorant. Good understanding gives favor. As I began, began to gain understanding, in my marriage, I, be, I began to get favor on that marriage. But also, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And, and it was also, <laughs> just one moment here, thank you. Uh, also, uh, I, I struggled for years in my relationship, uh, in my uh what is happening here? Hold it one minute as I navigate through my iPad here. If want to, it want to give us some music here as I navigate through it. Listen, uh, Proverbs 13, 15 says that good understanding gets favor. As I said, I struggled in the marriage because I didn't know what I was doing, okay? But once I got some understanding, favor begins to flow and the marriage got better. I struggled also in the area of my ministry because I didn't know what I was doing because struggle is often connected to not having knowledge, to being ignorant. But once I gained some knowledge, then the struggle began to lessen or, in fact, go away because I don't struggle with it anymore. Now, listen at this. God said this to me years ago. He said, we cannot continue to make wrong choices and be successful. We make wrong choices because of ignorance. We make wrong choices because we're ignorant of people, places, and things. So notice, we make wrong choices 
because of ignorance. Ignorance of people, places, and things. And when we make wrong choices, we struggle. Now listen what it says in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, because struggle is often connected to our disobedience. And ignorance and disobedience are often connected to each other. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, in the New Living Translation, it says, This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroad and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Now, we're talking about the way of the transgressor is hard. You struggle because of transgression. Jeremiah 6, 16. I want you to listen to it again. God says, stop at the crossroad and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Then God says, travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, we reply, no, that's not the road we want. So we go our own way. And because we go our own way, we often struggle. Now, when I look at culture, there are many examples that I can, I can give about how we struggle because we allow our culture, allow the culture to shape our value system. For example, marriage as it relates to our culture has been redefined. It's no longer just male and female. Is male, male. Is female, female. Is a lot of different kinds of things. It has been redefined in terms of cohabitation. The current uh, belief system is, as it relates to marriage is that we can just live together. We don't have to be married. And there are many Christians who are just living together, cohabitating. We used to call it shacking, but now that's the way we do marriage. We do marriage now through prenups. In case it doesn't work, we want to make sure that we protect our act assets. And if you look at the way we've done, we're doing marriage today, the divorce rate is extremely high even amongst Christians. Why? Because we've decided to do things our own way. Now, it is true that times and methods change and people change, but godly principles never change. The reason, in fact, a major reason, we're talking about a struggle-free life and how struggle is not a part of God's plan for your life, the reason, a major reason, why the Christian life has traditionally been hard is that believers have insisted on doing things their own way instead of God's way. And when you hear Christians talk about the Christian life, we hear Christians say often, you know, it's hard being a Christian. It's really hard being a Christian. Well, 
I, I don't I don't buy into that. I don't think that it's hard to be a Christian. I, you know, God even said in his word in 1 John that his commandments are not grievous, that they're not hard. They're hard because we've insisted on doing things our own way. Christian life is hard because we're allowing culture to shape our value system. Much of the pain, heartache, and struggle that Christians experience, much of the pain, heartache, and struggle that Christians experience is directly related to four things. Ignorance of God's word, fear to hear and obey God's word, failure to recognize and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, and a painful attempt, a prideful attempt to do God's will in our own strength. I'll say that again because that is a mouthful. Much of the pain, heartache, and struggle Christians experience are directly connected to ignorance of God's word, failure to hear and obey God's word, failure to recognize and obey God's voice, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and a prideful attempt to do God's will in our own strength and power. There's a, a text in Exodus 33, uh, verses 14 through 15 in the New Living Translation. Moses is talking to God about his need for his presence. Moses said, I need your presence. I need your presence. He's been dealing with all these people, above two million people. He's been in the wilderness, and it has been challenging. And for Moses, it was a struggle. Now watch this. Moses said to him, I don't want to go anywhere without you. Then the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. You see, rest is not the absence of challenges and the absence of problems. The lack of rest is connected to not having God's presence or not embracing God's presence, not recognizing God's presence in the situation that we're in. So Moses said, Moses, uh, Moses, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you, Moses, because I'm going to be with you. Then Moses said, if you don't go personally with us, don't make us leave this place. Moses said it would be better for us to be in the wilderness and not in the promised land than to be in the promised land without your presence. It would be better to be in the wilderness with your presence than to be in the promised land without your presence. 
Now, we're talking about the fact that struggle is a part of the curse. Struggle is not God's plan for the Christian's life. And struggle is often connected to our ignorance and it's connected to our disobedience. The way of the transgressor is hard. I think something else is very uh, prevalent, very prevalent, and I want to make this comment. I want to I want to say this is I, I think this is a, a, a really big point. Christians also Christians have made a man-made doctrine out of struggle. We've made a man-made doctrine out of struggle. In other words, it is common for us to say, well, you know, we're, we're going to struggle in life. Uh, everybody struggle in life. We, we said that all the time. We're going to struggle in life. Listen, when we raise these teenagers, it's going to be a struggle. You're going you're to struggle raising your kids. Well, that's because we've made a man-made doctrine out of struggle. It's a, a part of our vocabulary. But, I, but I'm not finding that in the scriptures. Now listen at this. I want to say it a little bit differently. We have made the mistake, I'm talking about Christians, of normalizing the Christian walk. Now I want you to make a note of that. Write that down. Uh, tweet that, whatever you want to do with it. Laminate it, mark it. Please put something to that. We have made the mistake of normalizing the Christian walk. And what I mean by that is we believe that when we receive Jesus, we get our ticket to heaven stamp, and the rest of the way now, we're going to live just like everybody else. In other words, we're saved, got our ticket to heaven, it's been stamped, now the rest of life is going to be just like everybody else, saved and unsaved, did have to go through life the same way. And I, that's what I mean by we've normalized the Christian walk. There's a text in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, and Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and here's what he basically said, and I'm summarizing it. He said that I could not talk to you as spiritual. I had to talk to you as babes in Christ. He said, now I've given you milk because I couldn't give you meat. You have strife, you have division in, in you. And then he says something in the King James. He says in verse 3, you're walking as men. And I looked at, up that in other translations. In the New American Standard Bible, Paul said, you're walking like mere men. And then in the uh, Moffat's translation, it, Paul said, you're behaving like ordinary men. And then in the New Living Translation, he said, you're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. 
Now notice the scripture says, Paul says, I wanted to deal with you as spiritual because that's what you should be. You should be different, Christian. You should be different. He said, but I couldn't deal with you like that because you're behaving like ordinary men. You're, you're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord, which tells me that the way we operate in life, it won't be problem-free, it won't be challenge-free, but we're not supposed to be struggling through life the way unsaved people struggle through life because they are operating out of intellectual power, they're operating out of their souls, they're operating out of their bodies and all the energy they can bring to the table. But God intended for you and I, Christians, to operate out of our spirits. He intended for us to operate on God's word, empowered by God's spirit. We're to operate on God's word, empowered by God's spirit. So I want you to make this confession and then I want to I want to give a text that you've heard uh, quoted often, but we're going to dissect it in a moment. I want you to make this confession. I do not live a normal life. I live a supernatural life built on God's word and empowered by God's spirit. I want you to make this confession. I'll give it to you again. I want you to say this. If you'll say this on a daily basis, if you'll say this, write this down somewhere, put it in your notes on your phone, put it somewhere where you can see it, and make this confession daily. I do not live a normal life. I live a supernatural life built on God's word and empowered by God's spirit. I'm going to say that to you again, and I want you to quote it after me. I want you to say this confession after me, and I believe it's going to resonate in your spirit. Now say this after me. I do not live a normal life. I live a super natural life built on God's word and empowered by God's spirit. Now that's a, that's a powerful confession. It will change your life. I do not live a normal life. I live a supernatural life built on God's word and empowered by God's spirit. I'm telling you, if you will make that a part of your daily confession, it will literally change your life. Now, I've said that the struggle-free life is under the curse. I've, I've said, pardon me, it is not a part, the struggle life is not a part of God's plan for your life. Struggle is not, is under the curse. Well, here's a proof text that I want to I I give to you. Now, listen what it says. 
Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and verse 30. You say, I know where you're going with that. Here's what Jesus said in the traditional King James, verse 28. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, here's the invitation that Jesus is making to every believer. He's making this to you. He's making this to me. All those who have followed their own mind, plan, purpose, agenda, or way of life, and as a result, the consequence, you're exhausted, you're frustrated, you're disappointed, you're disillusioned, you're burdened down, maybe with spiritual problems, you're burdened with health problems, you're burdened with family problems, you're burdened with financial problems, you're burdened with school problems, you're burdened with business problems, you're burdened, you're burdened with ministry-related problems. To you, Jesus offers rest. He offers you rest. If you feel overwhelmed right now, if you feel burned out right now, Jesus' offer to you is rest. Now, let's look at that word rest. The word rest means freedom from struggle and freedom from strain. Freedom from struggle, freedom from strain. Freedom from struggle, freedom from strain. I struggle so with ministry. It was such a struggle. It was so hard. It was so such a struggle that it 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 caused me to have pain in my stomach every morning. I, I woke up in the morning and my stomach would hurt me from morning to noon. I worried all the time. I was burdened all the time. It was so hard. It was such a struggle. And if you're like me or like I was, then the offer is peace. He says, I'll give you rest. He said, I'll give you rest. And rest means freedom from struggle and strain. Now, the rest that he's offering, I want you to listen to this carefully so you don't confuse what I'm saying. The rest that Jesus is offering is not rest from work, but it's rest in work. Now, that is powerful. In a prior session, I said that work is a gift from God. God gave man work. The Bible tells us that if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. It is disorder to not work when you can work. Now, some people... 
because of disabilities and because of other issues or maybe unemployment, you cannot work, but you want to. Okay, you, you want to. We're not talking about not working, but we're talking about rest in work. Not rest from work, but rest in work. In other words, you can face your daily challenge, your, your work responsibilities, your school responsibilities, your business responsibilities, your ministry responsibilities, and it's going to involve work. If you're going to achieve success, achieve greatness, it's going to involve work. But when Jesus says, I'll give you rest, he's not talking about rest from work. He's talking about rest in work. I'm still working as a minister. I'm still working in ministry, but I'm resting in the work. Jesus says that his yoke is easy. He says that his burden is light. Before you even understand that, agree with him. Stop talking the hard stuff. Get that out of your vocabulary. Get struggle out of your vocabulary. Get it's so hard out of your vocabulary. Don't talk that. Let's talk what Jesus says. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. A yoke was a wooden or is a wooden frame or bar of wood constructed in such a way as to unite two animals, usually oxen, for the purpose of working together in the field. So it's a bar of wood. It is a wooden frame, and it's constructed to join two animals. And in Scripture, those animals usually were oxen for the purpose of working together in the field. This word, as Jesus used it, yoke, is symbolic of submission. It's symbolic of the government of God in your life. It is symbolic of you submitting, not just being born again, not just being born again, but it is symbolic of you submitting to the government of God, submitting to Scripture, submitting to God's Word, submitting to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Think of two animals that are joined together. And usually, one of those animals was more mature and stronger than the other animal. And because that weight has been divided, and because the stronger animal is leading, is the leader, the, 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 the younger animal doesn't have the kind of weight on itself because of the yoke and being yoked to this other oxen. Now think of you, Christian, being yoked up to the Holy Spirit. Think of you every day that you function in life. You are yoked up to the Holy Spirit. And he's all wisdom, all knowledge, all power, 
all capacity, all ability, and you're yoked up to him. Now, life should be easier for you because you're yoked up with him. So let's get this hard stuff out. Life is just so hard. Uh, school is just so hard. My business is just so hard. Ministry just, my career is just so hard. Raising kids is just so hard. Parenting, get that out of your vocabulary because it's an, an insult to the Spirit of God. He is there to help you. He is there to, to, to strengthen you. He's there to guide you. He's there to take the weight off of you. Now, Jesus says, take my yoke, but he says, learn of me. Observe me. Take note of me. Look at how I operate, he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Meek means teachable. He said, I'm teachable. This is Jesus saying this. He said, I'm teachable. And then he says, I'm lowly in heart. I'm humble. I'm submissive. And, you know, when I look at the scriptures, I see how submissive Jesus was to the Holy Spirit, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and God's plan for his life. In Mark chapter 1, verse 33 through verse 38, Jesus had ministered to a, a community, a, a town. I mean, the whole town came out to the house where he was, and he healed many, the Bible says. He cast out many demons, the Bible says. And he ministered the whole evening after sunset, the whole probably late into the night. But it says early the next morning he got up, and went to an isolated place to pray because he understood that he needed to be yoked. He understood it, that he needed to replenish himself. He needed the strength that only God could give him. So he isolated himself from the demands and, and spent time in prayer. Well, Peter and the other disciples were looking for him the next morning. Where, where are you? And guess what? They said, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. In other words, the house was still full. The people were still at the door. People still had needs. And Peter said, come on back, master. Everybody's waiting on you. And Jesus said this. This is, this, this, this is so powerful. He said, there are other cities that I must go to. I've been sent to go to some other places. And guess what? He didn't even go back. There were thousands of people. There were needs, but he wasn't led by needs. He wasn't led by people's expectations. He was led by the Spirit. He said, I'm meek. I'm teachable. I'm lowly in heart. That's not what the Holy Spirit wants me to do right now, so I'm not going to do that. That would be heavy. You see, a lot of times there are things that we're doing that God is not even concerned about. And that's why it's so heavy for us. Now listen at this. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, the son can do nothing by himself. 
He does only what he sees the Father doing, John 5, 19. He says, I don't do anything on my own. I don't just decide to do this. I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm teachable. I, I, I'm submissive to God's plan for my life. So Jesus himself said, I don't do anything apart from my Father. He said, what I see my Father doing, that's what I'm going to do. In other words, what God is revealing to me at this hour is what I'm going to do. Now, spirit-led activity, and I'm near my close now, and, you know, I'm near my close. Spirit-led activity is easy and light. Spirit-led activity is easy and light. Years ago, and, and, and I'm 66, and so some of, of you, my younger audience, me, you may not even be aware of this, but there was a time when automobiles did not have power steering. And then there came a point where they introduced or invented or created power steering. So you had some automobiles on the road that did not have power steering. And you would see people, I mean, you could tell a person who didn't have power steering because they were turning no wheels. Boy, I mean, it was a challenge sometimes turning no wheels. And then when power steering came in, it was no longer a struggle. You just take your finger and you can turn that wheel any way you want to turn it because of the power steering. There was a time in the mining industry where they used a pick and a shovel, a pick and a shovel. They had to pick the coal and then they had to shovel the coal. Well, they don't use picks and shovels now. They use machinery. Think about it. Most of you that own homes, you have probably have a lawn. And you can cut your grass with scissors. Or you can cut your grass with a lawnmower. You can get the job done if you use scissors. In fact, you can go out there, get on your knees, and take the scissors, and you can cut your lawn. But it would be easier if you had a lawnmower. So what is the analogy? Power steering versus no power steering, machinery versus a pick and a shovel, lawnmower, versus scissors. I'm saying to you, many of you Christians, you're operating in life without power steering. You're operating in life with a pick and a shovel. You're operating in life with silver, with scissors. But God gave you his word, but alongside of his word, he gave you his spirit. His spirit. The Holy Spirit in you is like power steering. The Holy Spirit in you is like 
the machinery, the Holy Spirit in you is like the lawnmower. He's doing the work. And spirit-led activity is easy and light. One last scripture as I close, it says 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, it says, for we are laborers together with God. That's the King James. We are laborers together with with God. We are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God. So many Christians are laboring and working for God. God doesn't need you to work for him. Nowhere in the scripture does it talk about us working for God. It's heavy on some pastors. It's heavy on some of you ministers. It's heavy on some of you leaders. It's heavy because you are working for God. The scripture says that we're laborers together with God. We're doing something with God. That text implies that God is doing something and he is privileging us to work with him, not for him. God provides the power and the resources. When we act in that power, we will be at rest while we labor. And when we're working in that power, there's no such thing as burnout. Well, I'm just burned out. You burn out because you are working for God. You working for the company. You're not working with God in your assignments in the company. You're working for God. And that's why it's so heavy and that's why it's so overwhelming. That's why you're struggling with burnout because you're working for God. Once I found that out, once I found that out, my stomach no longer hurts me. I don't struggle sleeping at all. The moment that my head hit the pillow, I don't have stuff running around in my head all the time. Now, I study diligently. I prepare diligently. I spend quality time in prayer. I spend quality time in study. I, 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 I do my best to, to minister. I'm doing my best right now. But I'm not struggling. I'm not struggling. Doing sermons and preparing and funerals, it's not a struggle for me. Counseling is not a struggle for me because I'm doing it in his power. I'm doing it with him. I'm not doing it for him. I used to be so nervous sometimes when I start preaching, my hands would sweat. 
My knees would knock. My mouth would get dry because I thought, and like some of you right now, you say, well, I'm not a speaker. I can't talk in front of folk. Because you think that you have to do it and you have to do it alone. I don't think that way anymore. I realize my role is to study, prepare, pray, and all that. But when I stand up to teach or when I stand up to preach or when I do whatever I'm doing, I'm not alone. I am working with him. And when you work with him, he takes out the struggle. Now, we got another lesson where we're going to dive even deeper into this lesson. We're going to get deeper into it. We're going to look at it from the spiritual side. We're going to look at it from the practical side. Love you. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you today.